Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. My name is Jumpin' Jay and Dorothy. I don't think we're in Kansas anymore because today we're talking to Tommy, the man behind the curtain, the wizard of 80s Wrestling Con Fierro. Tommy, welcome back, brother. <laughs> when, when, you, when you say uh, Oz, I'm thinking of Kevin Nash dressed up in that gimmick from WCW in the early 90s. I think that's where all wrestling fans head head go when we talk about the wizard or the man behind the curtain. You picture big seven foot tall Kevin Nash wearing that <laughs> green cape and that mask. Uh, I wonder. There's probably not much merchandise from the the wizard character out there. That might be something you want to get for the wrestling collector. Yeah, maybe. So today's episode is all about you, my friend. You know, every week we come on here and we talk about '80s wrestling. Sometimes we interview a star from the past. Sometimes we talk about a pay-per-view, a wrestler, a a category related to the world of pro wrestling. And at the same time, we're always promoting the things that you have coming up, whether it be your live signings, your virtual signings, things that are going on in your wrestling superstar uh, or superstore, excuse me. The latest announcement, you're set to bring back an independent wrestling promotion that you used to run. You got so many things going on. And I know just like me, the listeners are very interested in how you got involved on this, how you pull off so much, what you are looking forward to in the future. And last week, whether you meant it or not, you agreed to let us pull back the curtain and have a no holds barred interview and pick your brain and just find out exactly what goes on behind the scenes in the world of Tommy Fierro. And so whether you meant it or not, Tommy, we're here. It's Thursday. That's the plan. Are you ready for this? Yeah, man. And and I, and I definitely meant it. I, 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 you know, we've been doing this podcast about three months now or so, and we've, you know, maybe a little bit longer. We, we, we've gained a a nice following as far as fans that, that listen every week. And I know that just by the feedback I get from our social media accounts, 80s wrestling on Facebook and, Twitter and Instagram, they send us messages a lot, and you know they send us some emails. I know I sent you one last week, and I, I thought it would be cool. Like we we do mention my virtual signings and the projects that I have that I'm working on because it only makes sense if I'm hosting the podcast with you. I should definitely throw shameless plugs out there and promote my stuff. But I, I never, I never, in this podcast. I never really got into, you know, how I got involved with wrestling. What do I do behind the scenes? All those, all those things you just said and so much more. Like, I don't really get that much into it because it's an 80s wrestling podcast. We're talking about 80s wrestling, not me. Uh, but, you know, I know last week we mentioned that we're going to do it. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm open to anything that you have to ask. I won't hold anything back. I'll, like I said, open that curtain and take you guys behind the scenes and show you the day in the life of a, a wrestling promoter. And here's the deal for our listeners. While I co-host this show with you, while I get to do some very cool stuff with uh, the virtual signings and the websites, we've never really had an in-depth conversation of what it looks like behind the scenes of the moving years. And so I'm just as excited. I'm like a kid in a candy store because I've got a list of questions in front of me because you've done something that all of us growing up in the same era as you hope to do when we were kids. You managed to take your passion for pro wrestling and turn it into your 
livelihood. This is now what you do for a living. And, and that's what life's all about. If they say if you can find something that you love and do it for a living, then you'll never work a day in your life. Now, believe me, I know you work incredibly hard, but there's a passion behind it. So I'm interested to find out how you managed to do that when the rest of us went on to live uh, lives that we maybe didn't dream about as we were a kid. You're living a dream. And so if it's okay with you, I just want to jump right into it, man. I think the first thing I would love to know is anyone who loves wrestling has a story or has a moment where that fire was lit within them. And I've never really talked to you about that for you. So my first question right off the bat is what is your earliest memory of pro wrestling? When did you fall in love with this sports entertainment business? The second my eyes uh, were glued to the TV, I was sleeping at my grandparents' house and Saturday morning, my grandfather had it on and I remember I was sitting on the floor you know, playing with my toys and my head looked up to the TV and WWF was on and I was hooked. My, my first time I ever saw it on TV, I was hooked. And uh, I believe it was right before uh, Wrestle, it was right after, a little bit after WrestleMania 1, I got in, I got into it. I just missed the first WrestleMania. And uh, I remember the first show I went to was fall of 1985 at uh, William Patterson College in Wayne, New Jersey. I actually caught Lanny Papo's Frisbee at that show. My first show I was ever at, I caught Lanny Papo's Frisbee. And uh, it was all from the races from there for me as far as you know, being a fan. So when, at least growing up in my area, you know, I had an elementary class of about 24 kids. And out of those 24 kids, I was the only wrestling fan. Other boys were into professional sports. I was the only one that was into wrestling. So I was kind of the lone man out in my area. What was it like among your peer group? Did everybody like the odd man out too? No, when I was when I was a kid, I mean, I, back then I was I was too too young. But I remember as I was growing up, I had friends in the neighborhood that all loved wrestling, and uh, we would always talk about it and 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 show our magazines to each other and, and play with our action figures together. So I remember as a kid growing up, my area, the kids in that area, they all liked wrestling. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I would you know, collect everything from you know, LGN figures to magazines, to posters, to t-shirts, to you know, anything, you know, go to the, the, the video store and rent the Coliseum videos. I mean, anything I can get my hands on as far as wrestling uh, stuff, uh, I, I did just like you, just like probably everyone else listening to this podcast right now. I was just a diehard uh, WWF fan went every month when they came to the Brendan Byrne arena in East Rutherford, New Jersey. And uh, just was, so hooked. I was a gigantic, gigantic fan. So very early on in your life, you were able to transition from a fan to somebody who was involved in the world of professional wrestling. I believe you hosted your first convention at age 16. When most of us are consumed with the idea of getting a driver's license, here you are running a pro wrestling convention. How did you transition from somebody who just loved the product to being involved at that level at such a young age? How did that happen? Okay. Uh, well, I'll give you the, the, the backstory on that. So I'm a freshman in high school now, 
and I'm in class and I overhear two kids in my class talking about a pro wrestling radio show that was going to be on later that evening. It was on the local college radio station and it was called Who's Slamming Who? And it was broadcasted out of William Patterson College in Wayne, New Jersey, their, their radio station. So I heard the kids talking about it, and I went home that night, and I, I put it on. It was 88.7 WPSC, and I'm listening to it, and it's on. And this is the first time I ever hear about anything as far as behind-the-scenes stuff and, and what's going to happen next. Like back then, this is probably 90 must be 92 or 93 at the time. And you know, back then, there was no internet. There was no, you know, there was barely newsletters at that time or they were harder to get back then. So you, you didn't know what was going to, you know, it was still a magic show. You still didn't know what was going to happen. So me being, you know, I'm a freshman in high school. I'm sitting in my, my bedroom listening to this radio show and they're telling me what's going to happen a couple months from now in SummerSlam. Man, I was like a kid in a candy store. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And they had a contest on the radio show to be the special guest co-host for a week on Who's Slamming Who. So I joined the contest. I sent my stuff in. The following Wednesday, it was at Wednesdays at 6 p.m., I'm at home after dinner listening to the show. And then they announced Tommy Fierro as the winner of the, the contest to be the special guest co-host for the week. So uh, I believe the following week I went there, I was the co-host. And uh, I just fell in love with, with all aspects of behind-the-scenes wrestling immediately. And I decided to start writing a wrestling newsletter because I heard about uh, Dave Meltzer's newsletter and Wade Keller's newsletter on this radio show. So I said, hey, I can write my own newsletter. So I, I started doing my own newsletter when I was, I was probably still 15 at the time and started going to local wrestling independent shows in the area and through those independent shows, you know, I would meet sporadically people here and there and get their phone number and interview them for the newsletter. So th- it started off through through the newsletter, me going to independent shows and interviewing guys. And just one thing led to another, and I went to John Arezzi's Weekend of Champions Wrestling Convention as a fan. And, you know, I, I walked into this convention, and there's tables all over the place, people selling wrestling merchandise and and wrestlers signing autographs, taking pictures. It's like, you talk about being a kid in a candy store, man. Like, I never even experienced or even knew about anything like this before. So when I went there for the first time, I fell in love with it. So now I'm 16 years old, and, and I, you know, I have a couple phone numbers from uh, guys I interviewed for the newsletter, and I'm saying to myself, well, I'm going to run a wrestling convention. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I rented a small little hotel ballroom, and I booked a couple wrestlers on it, and I had uh, Demolition Axe was at the first one. Jim the Anvil Nightheart was at the first one. I remember Ox Baker being at the first one. It was only a few. It wasn't that many guys, but I pulled it off, and I believe Cousin Luke, who was part of the uh, Hillbillies in WWF, he was a Jersey guy. I believe he helped me book a couple of the guys for the convention, and I actually made a couple hundred dollars on the convention at 16 years old. It, it was, it was no big turn up at any stretch of the imagination, but I actually made a profit on it at 16 years old. And from there, uh, I did a, a much bigger convention uh, a few months later 
where I had Rick the Model Martel, Road Warrior Animal, uh, Missy Hyatt, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. This was in 90, I believe I'll say 95 this was. And um, through that, uh, Dennis Corluzzo, who was a, a big-time wrestling promoter and the president of the NWA at the time, he was at my convention, and it, it, the convention was packed, man. There was a lot of people there. And when Dennis found out that a 17-year-old just promoted this big convention, he was, you know, obviously impressed and, and wanted to meet me. And he actually took me under his wing and, 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 and helped break me in the business as far as being an independent wrestling promoter. And, and at the time, he was probably one of, if not the uh, biggest independent promoter in, in the country as far as independent wrestling goes. He was, he was up there. He was, he was big. So uh, I, I, he took me under his wing, and I, lo- I learned a lot from him. And I started promoting my own independent wrestling shows. So it, it kind of all snowballed from this radio show. And, I'm, I'm, and, and to this day, I, I thank these guys. I, I, I see them. And because if it wasn't for this radio show, I never would have ever, I think, uh, got involved in the wrestling business because I learned all this stuff through this radio show. I learned about the newsletters. I learned about the the independent shows in the areas. It it all stemmed from who's slamming who. And, you know, later, you know, fast forward to 2021 and, you know, I'm doing stuff now and, you know, seeing some success with it. I, I feel great that I was actually recently able to give back to two of the guys that were a part of uh, the inception of Who's Slamming Who. Uh, one's name is, he's, he's, he's a good friend of mine. His name is uh, Tony Bender. He was Radical Rick Rocker on this radio show. And he's the one that picked me as the winner of the contest. And a couple of years back when WWE was in New Jersey for WrestleMania, I uh, had someone that I got tickets from and, I uh, invited him to come. So he, he went to WrestleMania on me. I got him backstage for another wrestling show. We were front row and uh, we got backstage and he got to meet Randy Orton through me. So it's cool that I could say I gave back to him. And then recently the other, one of the other co-hosts was a gigantic rock and roll express fan. And I had a virtual signing with them in Jersey just two weeks ago. And uh, he asked if I can get an, an autograph picture. He asked me an autograph picture. I did one better. I called him up and said, you know, come to the virtual signing and you can meet them personally. And, and I know that meant a lot to him. Rock and Roll Express was uh, big, big, big guys for him. So it, it feels cool that I can say that I, I gave back uh, some to those guys. But I'm forever grateful for that radio show because it wasn't for that radio show. I would never have started doing anything. Let's go back to that first uh, convention that you held. You're 16 years old. You said you went to John Arezzi's convention. That kind of lit the fire. Now, I'm assuming most people that attended that convention were walking around, looking at everything, meeting people, but they weren't thinking about running their own. So, obviously, you're wired a little bit different at age 16. What was the conversation you had with your parents when you told them, I'm only 16, but I think I can do this. What, what was their response initially that you had that drive? You know what, man? I, I can't say nicer things about my mom and dad and how they always supported me throughout the years for all my wrestling shows when I was younger. I mean, my mom used to drive me around town uh, and, 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 and help me put up posters in, in all the store windows for when I had wrestling matches in the area. Uh, I mean, my dad 
in the in the past I had a pinch and and, and and needed money for a show and he gave it to me. And obviously he got his money back, but you know, he they my parents believed in me. Like they knew that there was something there. They knew that I had, you know, a passion for it. They knew I had to drive for it. So yeah, my parents never 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 discouraged me. I mean, they were always super supportive of me promoting uh wrestling events, even at even at the young age. I man, I missed my I missed my prom uh, because I was running a wrestling show that night at, at a different high school as a fundraiser. So I missed my prom because of that. So clearly you're wired different than the average fan. You're seeing a calling, you're feeling a drive to kind of get involved. My next question with that very first convention, even the one after it, when you're just a little bit older, I think you said you were 17, what does the talent, what do the wrestlers think when there's essentially this teenager calling them up and trying to book them for a convention? Did they take you seriously? Did you have roadblocks there? What was their reaction to you at that young of an age? That's a, a really good question. And, and, and I, like I said, I had, you know, some people helping me out early on to help me book some of these guys because I, I was 16 years old and 17 years old. So, I mean, you know, I went, I think I went through a couple people to get, the guys, but I, I know I, I contacted a couple of them directly myself, but, you know, after an event like that, where, you know, you're 17 and, and, and you draw a big crowd, even though you're only 17, you just drew a big crowd. So I guess the perception starts looking a little differently as far as a wrestler looking at the situation. I could be as young as I want, but if they just saw me draw a thousand people, well, this, this, this kid must have something. This kid must know something. So, uh, I, I got to be honest, man. I, even even when I was younger and I was I was coming up running independent shows, like the older guys, man, like the the legends, like they always treated me very 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 well. And 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 I know part of that's probably to do with Jimmy Superfly Snooker lived in New Jersey, and uh, he took a liking to me. And he actually, man, he came to my graduation party. He came to my birthday party at my house. He watched the WrestleMania at my house. So like he he I, I was with him a lot in New Jersey when I went to, when like he would go to shows like I'd go with him and stuff like that. So like I think like they knew like oh he, if he's with Jimmy he's you know he he must be he must be good he must be cool. So like I know that probably helped me out as well and like for like the older guys to help take me seriously to see someone like you know Jimmy Snuka you know give me his blessing and let me you know go to shows with them and hang out with them. So I, I think that probably definitely had something to do with it as well. Listen, Tommy, you just blew my mind, and I'm sure you blew the minds of the listeners. While we're all sitting home with our Jimmy Superfly Snooka action figures, you're hanging around with the man himself. He's at your house watching WrestleMania. What did your friends think as you were kind of, you know, most of them are probably mowing lawns for spending money. You're promoting wrestling events. You're hanging out with one of the biggest stars of the 80s. <laughs> what was your social group thinking at this time? My social, my social group was pretty, at that point, was, was pretty non-existent because at that point, I'm full-fledged into, into wrestling, uh, doing wrestling stuff. So my, my friends or my inner circle at that point, even if I'm only 17 at the time, it's probably all people that are involved with doing wrestling stuff. Like, I'd go to school just to go to school. I couldn't wait till school was over to get out and go back and do my wrestling stuff. And, uh, you know, obviously now I wish that I would have enjoyed high school and, and appreciated it for, for what it was. But back then when you're that age and you know, you're, you're, you're 
doing something that you grew up like I couldn't like if you if you were to tell me uh, you know when I was watching wrestling when I was a kid that Jimmy Superfly Snooker would be at my graduation party I, I would have probably fainted you know like he was out he went to my he came to my house for my birthday party he watched the he watched the I believe it was the uh, yeah it was the LT Bam Bam Bigelow WrestleMania he watched it at my house so yeah man I guess as as a kid you know looking like or 10 years from now or 15 years from now, Jimmy Snooker is going to be hanging out with you. Like, and never mind, no, that's hanging out with you. Like one day will be, you'll be, he'll be working for you on your shows. Like it just, and you look at it that way, it's mind boggling, you know? It absolutely is. I, I, I had not heard that before. And so I am, yeah, I have to pick my job off the floor to find out that you were palling around with the super fly. Now you mentioned after running a couple conventions, you took it up to the next level and you said you started promoting independent wrestling shows. How did you get your, your start in that? Because booking a guy to come into a hotel lobby or, or convention room to sign autographs is one thing, but to actually organize a venue, get a wrestling ring, get talent, put a card together, oversee all that. That's a completely different ball game. How did you, when that idea came to your mind, how did you even, the gears start turning? How do you even put something like that into place? Well, yeah, I remember at, at that point, I was, every, I mean, Dennis, Dennis Corluzzo was running shows pretty much every weekend in New Jersey at that point. So, you know, I, I'd go to school Monday to Friday, and then on the weekends, man, I'd, I'd be I'd be at wrestling shows every weekend. He, he ran New Jersey, Pennsylvania. I mean, he, he, was running, he was running a lot of shows at that time. And, you know, he like I said, he took me under his wing and, and uh, I got involved doing some, you know, cross promotions with him, doing some stuff with him. Uh, and then I, I decided at, I decided, I'm trying to remember what year it was. I think it was 98. I was, I was doing shows with Dennis or I was running my own shows, but under the NWA banner, because he was a national wrestling alliance at the time. Uh, I would do it under his banner or with him. But then in 1998, I decided I wanted to start my own wrestling promotion called Independent Superstars of Pro Wrestling, ISPW. And uh, me and Dennis actually had a little falling out over that, but we wound up being okay afterwards. Um, but I wind up, I, I, was, I was in Wildwood, New Jersey on vacation one summer, and I believe it was the summer of 97. And Wildwood... If, if, you're, if you're not from New Jersey, it's like the it's like the big resort area in New Jersey. It's 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 part of the the Jersey Shore. But Wildwood's probably like the most popular of all the Jersey Shore locations. So it's it's, it's definitely a, a tourist attraction. And ever since I was a little kid, my grandparents would take me there every year on vacation. And they would every every year they'd have WWF wrestling at the Wildwood Convention Center in Wildwood, New Jersey. And I remember going there as a kid with my grandmother. The main event was King Kong Bundy against Hillbilly Jim. And uh, we were there for that. And fast forward 20 years later, not even 20 years later, fast forward uh, 12 years later. And now I'm running my own show at the Wildwood Convention Center and King Kong Bundy's on that show wrestling for me so think about that for a second like see like back then i never thought about stuff like that like now that i'm older i can look back and appreciate stuff like that and really like like that i i went there as a kid to see him wrestle and then 
12 years later, I'm running my own show, and he's on my show wrestling for me. So it's mind-boggling, man. You know, the little, the little bit that I do know about your story, I will say there's a few instances where, you, where the term comes full circle, plays into your story. Because there's a couple things like that where you'll have a, a meet or a connection as a younger guy, and then it'll come full circle, and you'll have another meet with this person. Uh, at a later later stage in your career, fate also plays a part in your story. Like you said, if that radio show contest didn't go your way, you might not be where you are right now. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Right? And then I know, and we'll get to this part, but later on, uh, you're working uh, as a marketing director for a major national brand restaurant, and something happens there, which if that didn't happen due to the pandemic, you might not have your brick and mortar store and be doing what you're doing now. So fate yeah, is definitely been. intertwined in your story. Yeah, man. I, I think that the good Lord upstairs wants me to be involved with the wrestling business. I really do. There you I go, man. That... And, and if he's got plans for you, you can't fight it. You, you, one way or another, you'll find your way back to it. But let's, let's go back. So you're, you're a young man. You have your independent superstars, a professional wrestling promotion. You're promoting shows. How often are you holding shows at this point? Uh, I was doing a lot. In the summer of 98 and 99, I was running weekly shows during the summertime at the Wildwood Convention Center. So down there, like I said, it's a tourist attraction. So every week, it was like a different audience. So I would run every Thursday night in the summertime for Wildwood. I would live down there for, for the summer, the two summers. And on Thursday nights, I would run wrestling at the convention center. And then, the, you know, the following week, it's a different, it's a, it's a weekly vacation area. So the following week, there's a different crowd down there. But, there, you know, there was a lot of people that lived down there as well that became regulars and, and came to all the shows because, you know, they just gotten invested in the characters and the matches. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, so I, I, I was doing that and, and then I started running, you know, uh, another thing I'm going to tell you, a behind-the-scenes story that I don't think that even many people that I'm close with know in wrestling. And, uh, and since you wanted to pull the curtain back, I'll really pull the curtain back with you. Uh, so after the summer of 99, ISPW wrestling at the Wildwood Command Center, it was, it was a real big success. Uh, they did really, really well. Anyone that was at those shows or on those shows will – will testify that there were some of the biggest independent shows ever in this area. So I, I knew even at a young age and, and, and I wish, let me just rewind for a second. I wish I can have the run as a promoter. <laughs> I mean, I am now in a different way through my signings and, and, and conventions, but I had such a run going there at a young age, but I was not mature enough yet to either appreciate it and or capitalize on it because, you know, I'm, I'm 21 years old, you know, making a lot of money running wrestling shows. And I'm, again, I'm 21 years old. I'm going out and I'm, you know, hanging out with the wrestlers and drinking with them after the shows. And, you know, just, I, I definitely was not mature enough at that age to, to, you know, manage those kind of responsibilities. So uh, I wish that I can go back now and run the Wildwood Convention Center in 2021. Man, I'd be I'd be drooling from my mouth, you know, trying to run there. But it, it's bigger now, the Convention Center, and actually WWE runs it again. They they built a new one, 
so they have an exclusive with with it anyway. But uh, anyway, the the story I'm going to tell you that I, I haven't told many people is even then I knew I had something. So in the fall of uh, 1999, uh, I started sending out uh, brochures to all the high schools in, in New Jersey for fundraiser events. And I was sending them pro wrestling fundraisers by King Kong Bundy. So I made a deal with Bundy uh, to be partners with me in ISPW, and I would use his name to get all these shows with all these different schools in the area because, you know, if, if I contact these, these schools and organizations, they don't know who Tommy Fierro is. They don't know what ISPW is, but they know who King Kong Bundy is. You know, King Kong Bundy was a mega name in the WWF in the 80s, and he is known to be a New Jersey guy. So when, you know, all these schools in the area were getting these brochures about having a pro wrestling fundraiser by King Kong Bundy, man, the phone was ringing. The phone was ringing, and, and I booked a lot of shows that way. And obviously me and Bundy had a deal where, you know, he got X amount of dollars for every show that I got using his name. But that's something that not that many people out there know. Uh, that's King Kong Bundy was actually my partner on ISPW for, for a while. That is very interesting. And what a smart move on your part. I know marketing is your background and promoting is in your blood. And so what a smart move at such a young age to know you got to put a headliner's name on that brochure to catch somebody's attention. And that's, sure. you must have had a great relationship with him for him to be willing to do that. So that is, that is awesome. Um, when you were promoting ISPW, like you said, you're 21 years old, you're a young man. What did your role look like? Were you the booker? Were you uh, determining the finishing finishes of the matches? Were you just getting talent there and letting them kind of decide? What was your role within that when it came to show night? No, I did everything, man. I did everything from book the talent, book the matches, book the finishes, promote the show. I, I'm I'm real creative, Jay, and and I and I can't wait to start having my creative uh, juices flowing again when I start running uh, ISPW again this fall. Uh, but that's something that I, I really enjoy is the you know the storytelling aspect of of wrestling, and 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 I definitely am looking forward to that part. But yeah, I did I did I wore every hat, man. I I I, I got the shows. I went out and got the shows. You know, I booked all the wrestlers. I, I I did the storylines and the finishes. I, I mean, I pretty much everything. The book, the ring, the, the, the DJ, the sound system, you know, from A to Z, I, I did it all as far as – it was just me doing it. Well, here's my next question, because I know when most of us watched wrestling as kids and we dreamed about being involved in the business, we dreamt about being inside the ring, stepping through the ropes and being an in-ring talent – you're living the other side of that where you're the behind the scenes guy, but I got to know, did you ever think about going to a wrestling school and becoming an in-ring performer or was that part of the gig? Did you ever step between the ropes and become a performer yourself? <laughs> no, I would have been horrible. I, I maybe briefly thought about it maybe when I was 14 or 15 years old, but I mean, no, man, I never, never really dreamed or envisioned of being a, a uh, a wrestler. However, we did storylines uh, during ISPW with WXW, which was off of the Wild Samoans promotion in Pennsylvania. 
him and Samu and the Samoan family, we had, we had an angle going where, you know, our promotion would go there and invade them and vice versa. Their promotion would come to New Jersey and invade us. And uh, it, what's really cool, and, and I'm not sure how many people know this, I don't think you might not know this, is, uh, you know, I would manage my guys up at WXW, and we had a couple six-man tag team matches where Off of the Wild Samoan actually came out of retirement. It was him, Salvatore Belomo, and another guy against me and my guys. So Off of the Wild Samoan came out of retirement twice uh, to wrestle me in six-man tag matches. What was that like for you to step between the ropes and take part in a wrestling match? Now, you probably, I'm guessing, didn't go to a, a wrestling school to learn how to bump and to learn some of the moves. Did somebody show you before the match? Were you nervous crossing that line from promoter to performer for those six-man tag matches? What was that like for you? Nah, I wasn't because, I, 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 first of all, I, I would just come in and get hit and bump on my back for the, for the finish. I wasn't taking any pile drivers or body slams or anything crazy like that. So like they knew that they knew that I didn't know how to work and, and they made it as simple and easy as possible. Uh, but no, man, I was never nervous. I, I was, I just, it, it's in my, it was in my blood, you know? And, uh, and another couple of cool things we did there as well. We did uh, the Gary Albright Memorial show it was after Gary Albright passed away. WWF sent, uh, WXW, a bunch of guys to do a fundraiser uh, benefit for his family. And Too Cool, they were the WWF tag team champions at the time. And uh, we did a thing where I tried to join Too Cool and and uh, dance. And they want to, you know, he wanted to hit me with the WWF tag team title. And Scotty Too High to give me the worm. And then uh, another time, uh, we at the Yokozuna Memorial Show, it was uh, Samu, Rakishi, and Sam's son Lance against me and my guys and the finish was you know I come in and you know bump in the corner and Rakishi gives me the stink face so I mean I never was a wrestler but I did I did yeah I got the stink face and speaking of Rakishi he'll be uh, my guest with Samu this Monday night for 80s Wrestling Con live virtual signing I'm really looking forward to that but uh, yeah I never I never wrestled but I did stuff like that where I managed or got involved on, 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 on office shows. And it was like I said, it was situations where it got off the wall. Simone out of retirement, did something with too cool, you know, did something with, with Rikishi. So, I mean, it was, it was pretty cool, but no, no, no dreams or aspirations of being a wrestler now. Well, we're right around 1999 year 2000. What is next for, for Tommy Fierro? How long does the ISPW promotion stick around when do you, because I know you end up taking some actual, uh, I'll say real world jobs outside of the world of professional wrestling. And obviously your life comes full circle and you get pulled back into the wrestling scene. Uh, and that's more of this, the part of your life that I'm familiar with. In, in 2000, what's going on in your life? Are you still involved with pro wrestling? How long does ISPW stick around? Yeah, so I'm still involved with it. I'm, I'm running, I'm starting to run conventions again now. Uh, I'm going to do some ISW stuff here and there sporadically, but I get more involved with doing uh, the conventions I was doing when I was younger. So I, I, I brought at this, and now at this point, no one's running conventions. This is 2003. Uh, John Arezzi has gone. No one else is doing anything. A convention hasn't run about around in years. So I bring back a convention in 2003 did really well. 
did another one. That one did good. And then, and th- this is a, another behind the scenes story. Uh, I'm, this 2000, this is maybe late, late 2003, early 2004. I'm sitting in my living room and I just realized that WrestleMania 20 is going to be at Madison Square Garden. So when you, you I'll tell you one thing about me, Jay. I don't have ideas. I have visions. So I'm thinking the day before WrestleMania 20, having a tribute to WrestleMania 1 with all, in New Jersey with all the guys that I could possibly get from the first WrestleMania, the day before WrestleMania 20, the day before the 20-year anniversary of WrestleMania, and I just like a, a, a light went off my head. So I have a phone. I have, at this point, I have a huge phone book filled with everyone's numbers that I've gotten throughout the years from trading with different people and just you know meeting different people. I I, I legit had a, a huge, huge, huge phone book full of pretty much everyone's number. I start calling everyone. Obviously, I'm not calling Piper or Hogan because I don't you know that's crazy crazy money. But outside of them. I'm calling everyone, Jay. Everyone that's alive that was in that first WrestleMania, and I'm booking them. I got off the phone after a couple hours, and I realized I have 18 people booked for my tribute to WrestleMania 1 convention. Now, check this out, Jay. How the hell am I going to pay for it? I don't have the money to pay for it. I just know for, and for some reason that this is going to work. It has to work. It's the day before WrestleMania 20. It's 35, 40 minutes from Madison Square Garden. It's a 20-year anniversary, and we're doing a tribute to the first one. I just know it's going to work. But how the hell am I going to come up with 15, I think maybe out of the 18, 15 of them were airfares. How am I going to come up with 15 airfares? How am I going to pay 18 guys, pay for the hotel? I just, I just... I just knew it one way or another it was going to work. I just knew it. I had a vision, and I went with it. And sure enough, I started promoting it, and through the advanced tickets that people were buying for the door and or for autograph or photo ops, I got enough money to pay for all the airfares and the deposits. So now I'm counting on the gate to pay for the rest because – and, and, and anyone out there, anyone that's young listening to this that wants to become a wrestling promoter, this is not the way to do it. And don't do it this way. Always have the money, pay your talent when you're running a wrestling event. I can't stress that enough. Do not go by this story. I'm just telling you, I had a vision. I knew it was going to work. I went with it. And that day, it was probably the biggest turnout I ever had for a, a show, Jay. And uh, it was the, the best I ever did as far as uh, – profit-wise for an event. So I, I went into this not having the money to book it. I just knew that my vision and the idea would, would bring me to the finish line on it. It's it's a heck of an idea, and I'm glad you trusted your gut and kind of gambled because the risk-reward for that type of convention, obviously the reward outweighed the risk. Um, and I know you do a lot of conventions now, both virtual and in person. And so, yeah, I, I make sure I have the money now for it. Don't worry. <laughs> well, here's my question with that. Just I know people are interested to know when you book a talent for a convention, 
you said deposit. So is it safe to assume that some of the money has to be given up front and then some of the money can be paid once they show and do what they have agreed to do their appearance? Well, I'll be, I'll be honest, man. At, at this point, I, I've been around long enough where pretty much everybody knows who I am. So I don't really have to give deposits. They I, they know who I am. They know if they're going to work for me, they're going to get taken care of. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't run into that. Um, 99.9% of the time that, that doesn't happen because they either worked for me in the past or they know someone that has worked for me and just know who I am just from being around for such a long time. So most times I don't have to do that now, but yeah, as soon as they, but I usually, I usually wind up doing it anyway, just to get it out of the way. I, I like to, I like to, I like to pay talent early. So uh, I usually get out of the way anyway, just don't have to worry about it. But yeah, I don't really get asked about, you know, stuff like that. Very cool. So you pull off this tribute to WrestleMania one. You have, I think you said 18 uh, performers there, which is just an incredibly big number. It's a huge success. Uh, where do you go from there? Are you, are you thinking I got to do more conventions? Are you thinking, um, I want to go back to promoting independent shows. Where's your head at at this point? My head is larger than uh, New York City at this time. And that plays a factor in me, you know, taking a little hiatus. Like I said, I was too young uh, and not mature enough to, you know, uh, appreciate what I, what I had and, and, uh, and handle it. You know, I, I, I don't want to say I got a big head, I've always been a down-to-earth guy and always been super cool, but I think it went to my head that uh, I thought that I can just I can just touch anything and it would it would at that point this it would be you know successful and and, and you know at, at that point I was you know spending money like it was going out of style like you know like I was living I was living way outside um, my 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 needs I just I just I don't know, I just went to my head I think and. Uh, I stopped promoting for a little bit and then I came back in 2009 uh, and did ISPW again, 2009 to 2010, we did some shows. And then after that, uh, I got married and kind of stepped away from wrestling. And I worked for the restaurant California Pizza Kitchen for 15 years, great company. Started off at the bottom as a bartender and uh, worked my way all the way up to the uh, senior area marketing director for the company for New York and New Jersey, where I would oversee all the promotion and, and stuff on their uh, stores in New York and New Jersey. And after being with the company for so long and working my way all the way to the top, very top of the corporate world there, I, I was, I'll tell you what, man, it was a real honor to, to, to do that. And it really meant a lot to me that I, I worked my way up that high. And, you know, they gave me a, a company car, a company credit card. I mean, they took really good care of me. And I really loved the job. Uh, and then the pandemic happened. And when the pandemic happened, um, you know, I got furloughed. Oh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm fast forwarding the story. Let's go back to 2010. So I, I, you know, get away from wrestling. So I, uh, a couple of years goes by and I, I, I'm not doing anything wrestling related now, but I still feel, you know, I still follow the product all the time and still watch it and still love wrestling. And just, I'm just not doing anything in it. And, you know, I needed, I felt like I needed to fill a void 
that I had not being a part of it. So just for fun, I started doing an 80s wrestling social media account on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just for fun, man. I would, I would just take pictures of wrestlers and post them from the 80s and and uh, just, just so I could some way somehow feel like I was still involved with it, you know? And it just blew up, man. Like, all these guys started following me. Um, Hulk Hogan, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Randy Orton, Edge, uh, Ronda Rousey, Jericho, I think this is, Sasha Banks. This is like a big list of talent started following these accounts. And then when they followed them, you know, the fans started following them. Like, because you can see, like, some activities, like, who followed this account, who followed that account. Like, so they... They started following it. So now, you know, fast forward to 2021, I have over half a million social media followers between Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So at at that time, you know, I I see that I have a following of, you know, fans on on social media. And and back then when I was promoting, there was really no social media like there is now. So uh, I, I knew that I had something and I knew that I'd be foolish not to try and capitalize on it. So I thought of the idea of doing an 80s wrestling convention. And in 2019, I did a uh, 80s wrestling con at I Play America in Freehold, New Jersey, that you were at, Jay. And it, it was just supposed to be a, a one-time convention. Uh, and the turnout was really, really good. So good that I said, well, I'd be stupid if I didn't do another one. So I'd do another one, and that's another good turnout. And I said, I guess I got to do another one. So, and that was supposed to be last year, right before the pandemic. So that's where I, I guess I'll go back to where I was before. When I got furloughed from California Pizza Kitchen, the, the plan was for me to always to go back. And then the end of the summer comes, they file for Chapter 11. The majority of their locations, you know, don't have outside dining capabilities because they're in the mall. So. You know, they, they filed for Chapter 11, and, and then a, a lot of the corporate staff, like 80% of them, got, you know, let go, and I was one of them. And I didn't think that I'd have any problem, you know, finding another job. I could put on my resume that I was the, you know, the marketing director for a national company, and I I, I wasn't worried at all, man. And I sent, my, I sent my resume out to, like, 100 places, and nobody got back to me. So I knew that I can fall back on wrestling temporary. So because of the, the online following that I had, so I started doing virtual signings and uh, I did one with Tito last September. And then I did one with Sergeant Slaughter and I, I saw that I had something there and, and then started adding more to it. But in the meantime, I can't find a job. So I, I, I say to my wife, I go, how about I go to real estate school? Uh, we knew someone that did real estate that's good. So she said, yeah, so I go to real estate school and as I'm going to real estate school, I'm, I'm, doing the virtual signings as well. Now the virtual signings are blowing up. So I, I've been around long enough to know that I had something. So I said to my wife, I go, listen, we got to go wrestling. Trust me. I, I know that I have something and, and she couldn't have been more supportive. She says, you do what you need to do for our family. And as soon as I heard that man, there was no going back. Never went back. To, never went back to school. Never even told them I was coming back. Wasn't coming back. <laughs> just off to, at that point, I was off to the races. And, and you've got a full plate. <clears throat> so you have a full plate right now, and you have big things coming in the future. Um, but let's, let's reset, go back to that 80s wrestling con, the very first one. So you do the social media thing more as a 
side hobby to stay connected to your passion professional wrestling. When you started those social media accounts, you didn't envision it to blow up to the level it did. You didn't start it with the intent of it leading to a convention, but the popularity caught on. People are paying attention to what you're posting. The demand was there. And the story that I'm picking up from your life is you have a very good sixth sense of when to jump on something. And so you felt that pull that now's the time to strike where the iron's hot, do a convention. So you get I Play America, which like you said, I was fortunate enough to be able to attend the first one. And I Play America is not a small venue. This was a large area that you were. You had vendor tables, you had an autograph section. There was a stage where uh, you had a host, you had music playing, you had different things taking place on the stage. This was for a wrestling fan, something to behold, like just you could have spent hours just walking around and looking at all the collectibles, talking to other fans, meeting your idols. So when it comes time to, to you're like, yep, I'm doing an 80s wrestling con. All the steps, all the pieces of the puzzle that have to go into place. Was it like riding a bike for you? Was it like just you, you knew what to do, so you just went to it? Or did you kind of have to, to relearn some of that stuff? No, man, it was like riding a bike to me. I got right back on. So you knew, first thing I got to do this, second thing I got to do this. So you start making phone calls to the talent. How receptive are they? Are they excited to come to a wrestling con? Um, because I know in the 80s when they're performers, there are no conventions. They're not looking at that's an option for them once their in-ring career is over. But conventions have allowed them to kind of extend their career with the fans and keep making a living off of their passion for wrestling. So when you make that phone call, how receptive are they? And then my next question behind the curtain is how hard is it to pick a date that works for multiple talents? I'm sure there's guys you hope can come, you throw the date at them and they're already booked or they can't make it for a personal reason. How receptive are they and how tough is it to land on a date that works for the convention center and for talent? Well, for, first off, um, they were very re re receptive and, um, Second of all, the first thing you do is, as a promoter, you you book the date and then you work around the date. You don't <clears throat> you don't call the talent first. You, you you book the date, but you book it far enough in advance where, you know, you don't have to worry about oh man, I hope you know Sarge can come or I hope you know Jake can come. I hope he can make that date. I mean, I, I try and book my date out at least at least, and I don't want to start giving uh, tricks now to other promoters that are listening but i'm just kidding uh you, you you book your date out first you book it out far enough in advance where you have enough time so just say right now you know i, I would book something for the spring right now i'd book something for the spring i know it's far off but once you get that date locked in with the building and you get the building secured you have plenty of time to you know get these guys for this show because if you're you know if you're booking now uh, in June for all, uh, sub August or September, there's a good chance that, you know, some of these guys are, are booked already. So you got to, the first thing you got to do is book far out, far out enough where the, the building is available. And there's no reason why that talent shouldn't be available on that random Saturday and seven months from now, you know? Okay. So then my next question is when you're promoting an event like this, what is kind of a number of talent that you look to acquire. You obviously want enough people there that it draws 
fans' attention so they can come and meet not just one or two, but they can meet multiple people. In the back of your mind, the knowledge that guys might miss flights, things might happen in their personal life where they can't make it. So you need to have enough where if one or two can't show, you still have enough there to make it worth fans' trip. So in your mind, when you're booking, are you visualizing, I need at least a dozen, I need at least 15? What's kind of your mindset? I'd say at least a dozen, uh, definitely a dozen. I think the first one I had too many guys that second one was, was, was less guys, but that first one was close to 20 guys, which in my opinion is too much because you want to talk about behind the scenes of, of, of running a convention, man. It's, it's crazy because, you know, just say I got, you know, like I said, the story about, you know, the, the WrestleMania one where there was 15 airfares. I mean, you, you're responsible now. These are 15 different flights coming in at different times. That means you need 15 different people to pick up these 15 talents and then take them to the hotel from the airport, then from the hotel, take them to the building where the show's going to be at, from the show, bring them back to the hotel to get their stuff, and then from there, bring them back from the hotel back to the airport times 15 guys times 15 different people it's chaotic immediately so it's it's got to be you got to be really 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 i can't stress this enough organized as far as bringing in talent like who's picking up who at the airport what time they're in make sure that all these drivers have that time make sure all these drivers have access to their phone number uh, the wrestler or the talent's phone number to be able to get a hold of them if, if something goes wrong uh, like you said, if there's a flight delay now, you know you gotta you gotta you gotta touch base with your driver. Say, hey man, can you please, you know, stick around at the airport for a, a while and wait for them. I mean, it's it's when you're doing travel for 15 guys, it's just it's overwhelming, it's chaotic, it's uh, that's why I love the virtual signings because I'm only bringing in one or maybe two talents at a time, and it's just so much more laid back. It's so much more easier to worry about having one guy pick up a guy at the airport and bring them back to the hotel where the, we're going to tape it at. It's so much easier, so much more relaxed. But I, I know that, you know, I know that everyone is craving uh, conventions again. I know everyone's craving, you know, getting back to normal again. And uh, I definitely will be doing an 80s wrestling con. And uh, I should be announcing it sometime probably in the next, a uh, month or two. Well, that's very exciting news. Now, we'll transition. We'll talk about the virtual signings because that has been just a phenomenal thing during this weird pandemic where if it wasn't for the pandemic, maybe we wouldn't have virtual signings, but we do have them. And from a fan's perspective, they're very cool because you don't have to travel across country to meet these guys. You can see them over your screen. The virtual signings. I'm just guessing from hearing you talk when you put together an in-person wrestling con with 15 wrestlers with all the travel with all the airfare with all the moving parts if i was in your shoes i would probably be so stressed and worried about all the details that you don't really get to enjoy the convention itself it's probably more once it's over and you know it was a success you can kind of look back with with a smile on your face but during the actual event are you just kind of feeling everything out making sure everything's going smooth you're worrying about stuff you're not really that's safe to say or am i am i wrong no you're 100 percent right man and and i'll tell you what 
the day before my first convention that you were at, the first 80s con, the day before there was really bad rain and thunderstorms and the majority of the flights got postponed uh, until the wee hours of the morning where I didn't even know if, if half of these guys were going to be at the show the next afternoon. And not even the next afternoon, next morning. It all wound up working out, but I was literally up to 4 o'clock in the morning tracking flights and airfares to make sure that they were going to get there. So it, that night before was so stressful. I had to rebook uh, several tickets too uh, because they, they, they were shutting down air, airports. And it was like a really bad storm. And luckily we got everyone there, but that next day, and man, you're right. I'm like a deer. And, and the day of the of a big convention like that, especially in that big building, like you said, Jay, where there's all different activities. It's not just the signing. We're doing stage shows. We're doing all kinds of stuff. So uh, there was gigantic, uh, gigantic screens just showing wrestling, uh, uh, wrestling uh, videos for my convention on it. So, I just remember, I just remember that day, the day of the convention. I, I'm obviously running around with a chicken with its head cut off, and I just remember just stopping real quick, and just seeing a sea of people, like a sea of fans, and I just look up and I see these big, giant screen TVs like playing my video for uh, '80s WrestleCon, and dude, I got, I got choked up. I think that I've never appreciated. Uh, a moment at one of my events like I did that one because now I'm older and I'm mature now and I can appreciate it back then I was younger and I didn't appreciate I didn't appreciate none of it I took it all for granted and now as an adult you know just especially the night before going through all that stuff where almost all these you know airfares you know got canceled and we weren't going to get here and then to see it not only you know, not not there's just not to see them all there, but then also see a sea of people just as and then seeing these big giant screen uh, TVs playing my stuff and just like I like that was like the first time I really took it all in when I all the years I promoted wrestling events that was the first time I really took it all in and 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 I got choked up, man. Well, I'm glad you were able to take it all in because it was an impressive sight and it was a great day. It, for me, a guy who attended it, just to walk around and to see every, I mean, there was so much to see. If you've never been to an in-person convention that Tommy puts on, you should put it on your bucket list. Because not only are your wrestling superstars there, but like you said, there's giant TV showing wrestling highlights. There's stage shows. The amount of merchandise that you had, vendors had tables set up with stuff that you only see on eBay or you only see in, uh, in old posts of things. They had collectibles from, from all eras of professional wrestling. And so just walking around looking at those tables, you could spend hours doing that. And so it is definitely a, a treat for wrestling fans. And then you have 80s, con, uh, 80s Wrestling Con 1. It's a huge success. You followed up with 80s Wrestling Con 2, another success. You plan 80s Wrestling Con 3, and then everything gets shut down and so you're faced with can I reschedule how far do I need to push it out to how do we pivot and you made a great decision you pivoted to something called virtual signings where you're bringing in a superstar Facebook live fans can purchase pictures see them signed live get a personal shout out and then the photo or the merchandise that they send in gets sent back to them where did you come up with the idea what was the light bulb moment when you said 
virtual signings is where I need to go. Well, I was just surfing through my Facebook feed and I, I saw, and I heard, and I heard people starting to do this with wrestling, but I was going through my feed on Facebook and I see an advertisement for a local bookstore that has a bunch of signings in New Jersey. They have wrestlers, athletes, celebrities, and they said that it was a virtual book signing where you can watch them uh, sign your book live at their store. And then they would send it out to you. And I'm like, man, like, and I, I knew that I knew someone was doing it with wrestling already or starting it. I heard rumblings about it, but I really got the idea when I was scrolling through my Facebook, I saw that I'm like, man, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that the rest is history. And like, I, I knew that I had, I knew that I had the social media following, so it makes sense to do it on, on, online because I know that people would watch it. And then, you know, it's, it's, a easy, it's, it's, a, it's a unique concept. You know, you're sitting in the comfort of your own home on a Monday night. And, and people ask me why, also why I pick Mondays. Uh, you see a lot of them do them on Fridays and Saturdays. And uh, last week, someone I said to me, Monday's a bad day. I said, Monday's the best day. Let me explain to you why. And the reason I decided Monday over a Saturday or a Sunday or a Friday is you can't, you know, you can't expect or rely on someone to sit at home on a Friday night or to sit at home on a Saturday or Saturday night or Sunday or Sunday night. Like people have plans on the weekends. People do stuff with their family. They go to parties. They do youth sports. Weekends are busy for people. So in my opinion, I thought the best day would be Monday because wrestling fans are, have been programmed for the last almost 30 years to be sitting at home on a Monday night between 8 and 11 p.m. So I knew that there was something there because I know that wrestling fans are programmed to be sitting at home for the majority on Monday nights. So that's why I went with Monday Night Virtual. I think it makes sense. Like you said, we've been programmed that Monday nights is the night for wrestling. And the nice thing about a virtual signing is on a device, whether it's your iPhone, whether it's your laptop, your iPad, and you could still have your tuned in to the Monday night wrestling program on TV. So both, if you want to. Um, personally, I watch the signings. I don't even have uh, wrestling on the on the main TV on Monday nights because I would much rather watch guys that I fell in love with as a kid talk about their time in the business, tell stories, give shout outs. So it's a real intimate experience on one with a superstar, or like you said, sometimes you have two, or maybe it's a tag team booked. So the first one you did was with Tito Santana. I know you and him have a great personal relationship. He lives in the New Jersey area. So he was a very, good one to have your initial signing with. Um, what did the rest of this transition to a virtual signing? Have they done many of them? Is yours the first one they do? Do they like, you know, sitting at one table and just signing pictures and talking to the camera, or is there an adjustment for some of them? Oh, they love it, man. <laughs> they love it. I mean, especially after the last year where, you know, a lot of these guys are, you know, they're used to getting booked every weekend all over the United States and all over the world. 
And, you know, when everything shut down, they weren't doing much at all. So I wish, dude, I wish I would have thought of this virtual signing idea years ago. I So much money was left on the table throughout the years because, you know, it's it just it's a fascinating concept. You know, you don't have to promote locally. I mean, yeah, if I run a, if I run a convention in New Jersey, if people from Pennsylvania come and people from, you know, uh, Connecticut come and New York come and, 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 for example, my last couple of 80s cons, people from different countries came. But you get them sporadically here and there, you know. But when you're doing something virtually, it's now open to the entire world where there's 10 things in New Jersey. In South Dakota, there might be nothing. Or in, you know, a certain town in, uh, you know, Australia, they might never get wrestling. So, I mean, it's – it's I, I love and fell in love with the concept of virtual signings, and I love that anyone around the world can take part of it and be a part of it. So, uh, yeah, man, I mean – I wish, like I said, I wish I would have thought of the idea years ago because I think that so much money was left on the table. I think that this this idea, you didn't need the pandemic for this idea to happen. I think if you did this idea years ago, it would have been just as successful. So now when you're promoting virtual signings, there's obviously different things that need to happen than compared to an in-person one. Obviously, some of it is less stressful as you're only flying in and, and getting hotel reservations for one talent versus a dozen, but there's other things that need to take place. You have technology, uh, you have, you're now responsible for getting these pictures signed and personalized to people. What is something that surprised you or that maybe you didn't expect with these virtual signings behind the scenes that you kind of had to learn as you went? It's just, it's just a lot. I mean, people are, you know, it, it, it's, again, it goes back to being extremely, extremely organized and, and knowing what you're doing. And yeah, I definitely wouldn't be able to do it by myself. I have a, a team there that helps me do it. Uh, it. It's a lot because, you know, different people are ordering different pictures and the majority of the people want certain things written on each of these pictures. And you got to give them a shout out as well. So like if you were there at the, at the virtual signing, I have a sticky note on the front of the picture now, on the front of the picture on the sticky note, it'll say, what color marker? Because, again, everyone wants different color markers as well. So, what color marker, who to make it out to, and sometimes, you know, what the inscription is. So, that's on the front. Then on the back of the, the picture, I have another sticky note, person's name and where they're from for the shout-out. So, you know, you, you have to go there, and then you have to separate every picture by each order. And then people are sending in their own merchandise as well. And it can range from action figures to T-shirts to pictures to all kinds of different things. People are sending in their own stuff. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So now afterwards, when the, the show is over, you're left now with a, a, just a sea, a sea full of stuff that you have to ship out. And, you know, it's, it's time-consuming. It's time-consuming putting all the orders together. Uh, you know, if 100 people order pictures and 50 people – send in their own items i mean that's a lot of that's a lot of packages to put together and you got to get that all done and remember it's from different countries too so you when you do different countries you have to fill out separate forms so i mean there's a lot that goes in detail with that so say there's 150 pieces that are getting signed on that monday and i have another signing the following monday so i have to get 150 items packed up and shipped out 
in hopes before the next Monday signing. Uh, sometimes that doesn't happen, obviously, because there's a, a lot of stuff. But yeah, there's a there's a lot of lot of moving parts behind the scenes of a virtual signing, from you know the color marker to uh, who to make the pitcher out to, to what to rent the pitcher to you know what items are getting signed for what person. It, it's 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 definitely a lot. And what I like about your signings is it's not just the signing. You have a pre-show segment with Vicious Vicky. You have a tremendous Mar who knows his stuff and can carry on conversations. There's Facebook chat going on at the same time. So fans all over the world are communicating with each other and asking questions and sharing memories. So it's not just videos of guys signing photos. It's, it's, it's an event, Tommy. And so yeah, I, I really dig that you've taken it. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that you've taken it to more of a, an event than just, just a signing. Um, before we talk about your wrestling collector superstore and then the return of ISPW that's coming up, when it comes to signings, just a few fun questions for you. What is the coolest or maybe most unique item that you've seen sent in for signing? Wow, there's 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 a few, man. I, I think one of the coolest ones is someone sent in uh, the, an actual chair from the Pontiac Silverdome uh, to get signed by some of the guys that were on the WrestleMania three card that I had for virtual signings. That that was a pretty unique one. I, I that was a pretty cool one. That would be quite the piece of memorabilia to hang on your man cave wall for sure. Um, so when it comes to a couple people sent in, a couple people sent in the actual million dollar belt also that Teddy that they saw Teddy Biasi to get signed. Those belt man, those belts cost like seven hundred bucks each. So like you gotta take really, really you gotta be really careful and take really good care of that and make sure it's packed really good before shipping that back out. Well, I will tell you this, just from this side of the screen, you can tell that everyone behind the scenes, the host, Ryan, everyone takes really good care of the products and the merchandise that gets sent in. You can tell that they recognize the importance that this has in people's lives. So they do take really great care of it. But yeah, when it comes to the million dollar championship, you got to return that thing without a scratch. And so I'm sure you're, you're a little nervous, but uh, you got to package that stuff uh, really well. When it comes to talent, Tommy, who is somebody who has just been an absolute joy to work with for these signings? Uh, professional wrestlers. Who did you just walk away going, man, that guy is amazing? I'll tell you what, man. I'll be honest with you. The majority of the guys that I've had since I started doing these virtual signings have all been super, super nice, super, super friendly, down to earth. Uh, went beyond and beyond as far as signing extra stuff for me. I really can't say anything bad about anyone that I had. Uh, since I started doing this virtual signing series, they've all been super great. Demolition, Tito, uh, Slaughter, DiBiase, uh, I mean, Jake, everybody. Everyone's been great. Everyone's been easy to work with. And uh, I, I've never, throughout the years, I've never really had a, a, an issue or, or a problem like dealing with any talent. Like something, I'm, I'm like, I'm like one of the boys, man. It's like, it, it's for me to get along with talent super easy. Um, I, I, the only person I thought was really a little bit weird is when I had him on, on one of my conventions was the missing link. He, he was, he was <laughs> strange, strange man. God rest his soul. Uh, was he working the gimmick or was he just, you think just a strange I, guy in general? I just think that, I think 
I don't think it was a gimmick, bro. <laughs> Um, then also when it comes to your virtual signings, who do you think, and maybe, maybe you don't know the numbers, but just from what you remember, who do you think got the most autograph requests of the guests you've had so far? I would say it would be close to a three-way tie on Jake, DiBiase, and Slaughter. I, I, I'd say, and, and demolition that a lot too, but I would say I, if, and without looking at numbers, I would say just from the feel of it, probably Jake DiBiase and, and Slaughter. And, and and how could it be? I mean, you look at the history of the wrestling business. They're three of the biggest 80s wrestling icons ever. So it makes sense. It does make sense. You know, I probably could have guessed that those names would have been at the top. Um, and then before we go too long, let's transition a little bit about – your move to opening up your very own brick and mortar wrestling superstore. So here you are, you've, you've had success as a uh, con promoter. You've had success in uh, promoting independent shows. You're now having great success with your Monday night virtual signing series. You decide let's open up a physical location to sell wrestling merchandise when that idea came into your head, how fast did you move on it? And what was the buzz around the area when you started letting people know this is what you're thinking of doing? Well, like I said, when my, when my wife said I can go at wrestling, I've always wanted to own a wrestling store. So <clears throat> I thought it was the perfect time to try and follow my dream and uh, something I always wanted to do. And yeah, I mean, people were excited. For sure. And so let people know when you say a wrestling collector is the name, wrestling superstore is kind of the tagline. What kind of merchandise will people see when they walk into your store? Every, everything, man. We have a little bit of everything from action figures to T-shirts to uh, you know, the, the, some of the rarest things I have in there. I have Hulk Hogan wrestling buddy in there right now. I have, New in the package. You remember the big 16-inch Hulk Hogan? Remember the Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper ones, the big ones? Love them. I have one brand new in the box still at the store right now. If you go there today, you're going you're gonna to get a chance to buy it. Uh, I have that there. I have Jimmy Hart's megaphone. Remember the little white megaphones? I have puzzles still sealed from the 80s. I have the old 80s WWF bed sheets there. I have over 3,000 wrestling magazines there. I have just signed stuff, signed magazines, signed autographed pictures. It's just a little bit of everything. Like if you walked into the store, you would just think that it's through a, it's not a gigantic store. It's a, it's a smaller store, but it has a little bit of everything, which is the cool part about it. And I think that's what everyone says that comes into the store, that they like it because it's a little bit of everything. It just looks like it threw up wrestling. It's just stuff all over the place, <laughs> all different stuff. And then we're doing signings there as well now. That things are starting to open back up uh, this Saturday. We have Barry Horowitz going to be there. And then uh, the following weekend, we have a big weekend. Uh, next Saturday on June 26th, we have Barry Windham and Bushwhacker Luke. Then the following day, Sunday, we have Akeem and Typhoon. So uh, we have a little area in the back set up where uh, they can do signings. That. So it's, 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 a, it's, it's more than a wrestling store, in my opinion. It's, it's, a, it's a destination for uh, wrestling fans to come to. If you haven't had a chance to go yet, definitely. If you live in the area, 
definitely come check it out. It's right on Route 23 in Stockholm, New Jersey, the Wrestling Collector. So not only are you promoting and executing Monday night virtual signings multiple times a month, you're also owning and operating your very own retail store. You said that you're planning 80s Wrestling Con 3 in-person signings. Along with all that, you've also recently announced that you're bringing back your old promotion from the 90s, independent superstars of professional wrestling, ISPW, returning to the New Jersey area. As if you didn't have enough on your plate, Tommy, what prompted you to bring back the independent promotion? I think that there's uh, definitely a void in the area uh, that needs it. I think that uh, from... I always, I always, I might not make it out that I am, but I, I always gauge on what's going on. I always, I'm always looking at what's going on. And what I'm seeing is that the people that are running shows in, in this area, and, it, and it's not that many either. Only, there's only a couple handful of guys promoting uh, shows right now. It's not like it was back in the day. So it, first of all, in my opinion, the area is wide open because no one's doing anything. And the people that are doing stuff, they're doing it in, you know, hotels. They're doing it in uh, VFW halls. They're doing it outside at, at different parking lots. In my opinion, the area is wide open to bring back something that I did back in the 90s where I did fundraiser events for different organizations. I think that uh, with things opening back up and people being, you know, pretty much locked down for the last year plus that people are dying to go out and do something and, 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 and have something to look forward to. So I think that it's the perfect opportunity to incorporate uh, wrestling fundraisers again into this area, because I think that they would be extremely successful because I think that, like I said, families are, are looking to do something and get out of their house finally. And what better thing to do than go out and support your local uh, high school or support your local youth sports group than a, a night of, you know, very, very, very uh, family-friendly pro wrestling. So I think that there's a market for it. I think that uh, I think that I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm going to be working on, on bringing it back uh, on, a, on a, what's the word I'm looking for, a most regular basis as I possibly could, if that makes sense. This is another instance where things kind of come full circle for you. This is an independent promotion that you ran as a young man and you uh, were um, maybe at the time you didn't have the maturity to fully enjoy the process, enjoy what you were doing. Now you're older, you're wiser, you have more life experience, but you still have the passion and the creative juices ready to, to go into such a promotion so just from a personal standpoint, seeing it come back into your life, seeing it come full circle, you must be excited. Yeah, man, I am. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm like I said, I wish, I wish that I could have had been mature enough to have that or, or no, I, I don't, I didn't know the wrestling business back then. I, I, I know it now. I, 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 do, I do this for a living now. So I know the ins and outs. I know everything I've, 20-something years experience doing this. Back then, obviously, I didn't. So I, I, I want I'm, I want to see what I can do with 
ISPW now, now that I'm, you know, mature, now that I know the business, now that I know the ins and outs of, you, know, you also remember, man, I, I came from being the marketing director of California Pizza Kitchen, where 90% of my business that I did was fundraiser events uh, with different organizations that at all these uh, different restaurants with the schools and the youth groups in the area. So I, I know how to form relationships with organizations. I know how to make money for uh, organizations. So why not incorporate everything that I learned through fundraising and marketing and promoting working for a California pizza kitchen and incorporate it into what I want to do with wrestling. So I think that's a big factor of why I'm bringing it back. Listen, if I lived in the New Jersey area, I would be beyond excited because yeah, people are hungry for good caliber, independent wrestling shows, family entertainment, a product that you can go to and lose yourself for a couple hours and just really enjoy yourself. And so I'm excited for the people of the New Jersey area, the fans of professional wrestling, that they get a chance to see the type of product that you're going to put forth. Cause I know it's going to be very high caliber. We've talked a long time, Tommy, we've gone over time uh, longer than most of our shows, but I think it was well worth it because you live a very interesting life. And so I'm so <laughs> thankful that you're willing to pull the curtain back and let us get an inside peek. I know you have big signings coming up. We're going to cover those. Are there any other? I think what what impresses you the most is you have ideas, you have energy, you have drive to get things done. You see a need. You're not afraid to step into that and fill that need. You do it from a passion of professional wrestling, but you also do it in a way that provides a tremendous benefit to the fans. You're not just doing it strictly because you see dollar signs. Yes, you're a good businessman, but you're putting forth a product that people appreciate. And so I'm just wondering, is there any other visions that you have of things yet to come, anything you're ready to unveil, or are you just taking it one step at a time? You've done the signings, you've done the conventions, you've done the store, and now you're doing independent pro wrestling. Are you going to enjoy that for a little bit, or are your wheels always cranking on what's next? My wheels are cranking as you're talking right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we can look I, I, forward to we can look forward to boating with Brutus at some point in the future. <laughs> no, yeah, unless I come to Minnesota, then I'd be boating with uh, Baron, the Baron. There you go. But, uh, yeah, no, man, my, my wheels, dude, that's, that's, that's my one. My wheels are always turning. I'm always thinking ahead. I'm always thinking of the next concept. I'm always thinking of the next vision. Uh, I have a, a couple things that I have in my head right now that I want to do uh, wrestling related that I, I might. So yeah, you definitely, this is only definitely the beginning. Um, and wrestling, like I said, wrestling is is what I do for a living now. So uh, that's another reason why I bring back ISPW because I want to have as many different avenues of revenue coming in that I possibly could. Now that I I I'm relying on wrestling to provide for my family. So uh, I, like I said, I think the timing is, is right because of things opening up. I think that there's a void in the area uh, that no one is doing uh, that and or, or can do it at that level and, and just the experience of of having all that fundraising knowledge uh that i i've gained over the last several years at california pizza kitchen and, and taking that and, and 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 building that into something uh of my own so i'm i'm excited for icw i'm excited to bring back 80s wrestling con uh, which i'll be announcing probably the next month or two i'm excited for the upcoming virtual signings this Monday is uh, the Head Trickers, Samu and Fatu Rikishi. 
You can go to 80swrestlingcon.com now. Select the photo that you want. Then this is Monday night. You can watch them sign it live, both tag team and singles photos. And uh, watch them sign it live on our Facebook page, and we ship it out to you afterwards. Excited for the podcast. Excited for the store. Excited for everything, man. You have so much going on. It's been a fantastic conversation. The countdown on my on my computer is we have about five minutes left uh, of show air that, that we're allotted for this morning. Big things coming up. Like you said, your next Monday night virtual signing is the Head Shrinkers, Rikishi and Samu, former tag team champions. I'm excited to watch them. You got big signings coming up at the Wrestling Collector. Lots going on. Tommy, thank you for pulling back the curtain and letting us get a behind-the-scenes picture of what really goes on in all your, your doings related to 80s wrestling. I, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you uh, wanting to, to know. I appreciate everyone listening wanting to know. And Yeah, man, I, it's, it's been interesting, <laughs> and, and hopefully it'll be uh, – more interesting in the in the near future. I I, I greatly appreciate all the, the support, man, and all, all that you do for me behind the scenes as well. Well, listen, man, from just a guy who one day sent you a random graphic that I made on Instagram to now I'm co-hosting this show, I get to, to talk to and interview pro wrestling. I get an inside look at, at your world, and so I'm just so thankful to be along for the ride. This has been a fun conversation. I've learned a lot, and I'm sure our listeners loved it as well, Tommy. Thank you for all the work you do behind the scenes to keep 80s wrestling in the forefront. Those of us that love it, it's a part of us, and we never want to see it go away. And thanks to guys like you, it will never go away. So thank you and your whole team, Tommy. Thank you, bro. And uh, I hope you and your family have a great weekend. Happy Father's Day this Sunday, Jay. I hope that uh, you have a, a great day. You're an awesome dad. And uh, all the dads out there listening right now, hope you guys have a great weekend with your loved ones and your family. And uh, we'll see you back here next Thursday on 80s Wrestling, the podcast.